It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, cars. I've always said to drive them until the wheels come off. And do you know cars are lasting longer than ever? But what about safety? And later, do you use social media? I have a special warning for you to help you protect yourself. So cars just keep getting better and better and better. And I'm sorry, I know cars is an antiquated word. We're supposed to say vehicles today. Vehicles, that sounds kind of ugly as a word. Anyway, automobiles, SUVs, pickup trucks, minivans, whatever. Let's just call them cars. Okay, so this is crazy. For the first time ever, according to one of those vehicle research firms that's for the automobile industry, the average age of a vehicle last year rose to 12.1 years. Now, that's average. That means half of vehicles are older than that, half are younger. I mean, not that many, many years ago, if you're ancient like I am, vehicles really had three good years in them. And that was about it. Today, because of tremendous improvements in technology and intense competition, I, mean, I can't think of a sector of the world economy that is as competitive as the vehicle business other than maybe restaurants and retail. I mean, there are certain sectors where things are intensely competitive and vehicles are way up there. So manufacturers have done such a good job turning cars into computers on wheels. And so the, the quality built into them is so, so, so much better. And I know old gearheads hate what I said, that they're now computers on wheels. Because being a shade tree mechanic, that's not really the thing it used to be now. So you've probably heard me say from time to time in the past, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know that the one area of your budget that you can have the greatest impact over your long-term trend of spending is what you're spending on your wheels. Not just what they cost, but the real damage to your wallet comes from cycling through vehicles because almost all of us tire of a vehicle before it is tired. You know, occasionally I'll have somebody call and they'll ask me or, or they'll post a question about a vehicle that is 12 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. But that's not the normal thing. Someone will ask me, well, you know, my lease is coming up and been in it three years and wonder if I can early terminate that lease and get something else now. 
Wow. So, and when I say to somebody who's into that whole leasing thing where you're on that treadmill of always having endless payments is that you are paying a giant convenience fee for what you want to drive. And there are people who vehicles are transportation and there are people who love, love, love vehicles or their image is tied up in those vehicles. But there's a real cost to that. Because if you look at the loss in value of a vehicle, it's known as the depreciation curve. It's very steep in the first few years, and then gets more and more and more shallow as the years go on. So having a vehicle that gets real age on it is phenomenal for your long-term financial health. And I've given the example before that if you keep the average vehicle you buy 10 years versus the typical ownership cycle of your fellow American, that you will be able, just by making that one change, driving a vehicle 10 years or longer through your working lifetime, that one change throws off enough additional money into your life that changing nothing else, you're able to retire five years sooner. Think about that. And think about the things you'd like to do with your life instead of, I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. I want you in charge. Now, it is true that if you follow what I say to the hilt, the danger you're potentially creating is recent vehicles have a lot more safety features on them. A lot of things that could prevent you being in an accident or reduce or eliminate injury or death in an accident. So how would you square being able to reduce the costs in your life of transportation and at the same time have a vehicle that's modern enough that would keep you safe? It's the four-year cycle. Buy a four-year-old vehicle every four years. The economics equate over time to very similar to buying a new vehicle you keep for 10 or more. Four-year-old vehicle will have uh, a majority much of modern safety that would have changed over the years. And the first four years, so much of that steep depreciation has occurred. So if you follow the four and four rule, very simply, by four-year-old vehicles that you keep for four years, you will have a rough equivalent to new intent. Krista? Okay, Clark, Jim in Georgia says, I'm 62 and still working. My car is over 16 years old, and it's time for a new one. I can either withdraw money from my Roth IRA and pay cash for the new car, or I can take out a loan at 1.99% for three years and have a big monthly payment. I usually don't borrow money for cars or anything. Here's the big question. Should I let my money stay in the Roth IRA and continue to grow tax-free, 
or spend 15% of my Roth IRA on the car and remain debt-free. By the way, I'm slightly over the income limit to contribute more to my Roth. So, Jim, first, congratulations to you on keeping a vehicle 16 years. Krista, did you hit 16 with that van of yours that you sold? Not quite, no. But it was old, wasn't it? Was it was like 14. 14. So this is phenomenal, Jim, because you drove essentially for free, you know, no payments for years and years and years. So it's tempting to pull that money out of the Roth and pay cash. But because of the fact that you have access to the ability to borrow it uh, basically 2%, 1.99%, and you can afford, it uh, seems, to make that monthly payment, I would let the Roth continue to grow tax-free. Because remember, that money, you spend it tax-free, too. You can't contribute more to a Roth because of your income. I would rather you take on the debt of this vehicle that you'll extinguish in 36 months anyway at virtually no cost to borrow and keep that Roth in place. And this is from Kim. What is the best place to donate a non-working vehicle? Kim, the way the law works on this, uh, I know this upsets charities when I say it that try to get people to donate a vehicle. You can sell the vehicle just for its parts and it will bring you more money than you're going to be able to take as a tax deduction. And then take that money and donate it to the charity you want to donate to. That would give effectively more money to the charity and you would be able to have a bigger impact from your wallet. And this is from Melissa in California. My husband and I bought a used 2020 Subaru Outback with only 7,000 miles on it. We've been having an intermittent problem with the battery and it's and it not starting. I looked on the website, I believe called Car Problems, and I see a lot of people are having the same pro- issue. What do you know? I did all due diligence with KBB and other websites before buying and didn't see any problems there. So, you know, this is a known problem with certain Subarus. There is no recall yet, but there already is, as you might imagine, a lawsuit about this. And on Reddit, there are a lot of posts from people with Subarus that they've been able to go direct to the dealership and get them to put in a different battery that eliminates the problem. It's supposedly a more powerful battery. This is what historically has been called a secret recall, that those who are vehicle owners that are assertive can get satisfaction with a known problem where others have to wait what could be months or years till the process brings about a recall. And in the meantime, you have a safety and reliability issue with your Subaru. Why safety? Because you get stranded without it starting and you're in an area that being stranded keeps you from being safe. That's a real problem. So get into the Subaru dealer, talk to the service manager. If the service manager won't help you, go to the general manager. Also file a complaint with the Center for Auto Safety and uh, autosafety.org is the website. And also with NHTSA the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, nhtsa.gov, about the problem you're having with your Subaru. The more it's documented that there's a problem with the vehicle, the more pressure that applies to the manufacturer. And let me tell you something. Subaru, 
is a hot, hot in brand. And you don't want to harm your reputation by being cheap with a known problem. And next, I want to talk about social media. It can be a great thing, and it can be really dangerous. I have a special warning for you straight ahead. Hacks, hacks are everywhere right now, attacking us as individuals, attacking small businesses, attacking government, attacking power suppliers. I mean, you name it, and the hackers are working overtime. But this is a stunner. Reading what companies that do risk assessments say will really make you think about what you're doing on social media that could, even if you're an employee of a firm, could end up costing you your job because you could turn out to be the weak link that led to a company being hacked. I mean, imagine what's happened with the hacks at the hospitals where people's lives are being put at risk by the hackers and the ransomware. And how are they gaining entry to these systems? often by looking for whatever the weakest link is, and very often it is an employee's social media accounts. I read a quote in the Wall Street Journal that a hacker can find everything they need to break into your life within 30 minutes of scanning your social media posts, whether they're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. What you post creates the risk to your life and to those who you touch. So you know this is going on. You know what a problem it is. What can you do? Because the reality with all this is we hear about it and we shut down. We feel like it's bigger than us, which it obviously is but that you're powerless, which is not true. You have power. And you know what that power is? It's privacy. Be careful what you share. Keep your settings private with whatever social media you're on. You know, social media feels so welcoming and inviting, particularly for people that were locked up during the pandemic. Social media was a breath of fresh air to connect. We love as humans to connect. Those were complete introverts. And so during the pandemic, we laid ourselves wide open and instituted really risky habits with social media. Now it's time for you to really lock yourself down within now that you can live and be out and about it's time for your social media presence to be locked down. So what's creepy is the hackers are so sophisticated now that a lot of it is um, completely done by automation, where they're scanning your posts and the, the robotics know what to look for and how to find the key information that they're looking for. So here's some examples of things that, uh, that you're advised not to do by people at 
companies that are trying to limit the hacking. Do not post private information like your travel plans, personal interests, details about family members, birthdays, your dog's name, your cat's name, your whatever on public platforms, private, even if you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, only your trusted friends see this stuff by doing the right settings. In addition, and this is a big one, be careful with whether it's called friend requests or whatever it's called and whatever social media you're doing, please be careful who you add as a follower, friend, whatever it's called and whatever social media format you're in and go change your settings if you're already active. And there's a suggestion I gave two weeks ago that I wanted to reiterate. Have a separate email address that's just for any social media sites so that the crooks figuring you out don't have the keys to the kingdom which is your personal email that would have information on your bank account, brokerage account, employer, all those other things. Have an email address. They're free to set up. Set up one just for social media. Krista? Clark, Jennifer in New York says, I have three credit cards that have high interest rates. When I applied for them seven years ago, I had just started building my credit score. Even though my score is now 736 and my salary has increased at least $50,000 since then, how come they've not lowered my interest rates? Or how do I get them to lower them? When, what they have done in the past was just increase my credit limit, but the interest rate is still high. Jennifer, you don't ask, you don't get. Call them. Call those credit card companies and tell them you want a lower rate. Particularly if you get, uh, I assume with a 736, you're now getting solicitations for credit cards at lower rates. And you can say, hey, you know, I got this offer right here for a balance transfer at blah, 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 from blah, 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 bank. Um, I'm, I've been with you a long time. I'd love to stay with you, but gosh, look at this offer I got. In addition, if you have a credit union account, credit unions tend to offer interest rates on credit cards a little less than half the rate of what the typical bank offers on a credit card. So things have changed so much in your life. Your income is so much higher. Your credit score is great. Now is probably a good time for you to graduate to better credit than what you've had. Now, by the way, don't close those old accounts if they don't have annual fees. Keep them in place. Just shift your charging to the new ones. And while I'm at it, Jennifer, big thing I want you to do is get to where you pay your balances in full on credit cards so you're not worrying about the interest rate anyway. Okay, and Linda in New York says we're looking at possibly moving to a 55-plus community. You don't buy your home, but put in a bulk payment to get a right of occupancy. You're guaranteed to get 70% of the resale price back to you when you leave the home. It cannot be physically passed to heirs. Does this make financial sense? 
Linda, this is expensive buy-in territory, and 55-plus communities work many different ways. In this case, you are buying a privilege of being in a closed, almost like, think of it like a country club community. And so let's say for every 100000 that you're required to put in, you're kissing goodbye $30,000. If that's something you're comfortable with, that's fine. But the biggest risk is if the developer or promoter, whatever, goes bust, then the money you're guaranteed to get back, that guarantee may vanish. Uh, you need to know if that money is legally held, that the contract requires that money be held in some form of escrow so that even if the promoter, the developer, um, manager, whatever we're going to call them here, if they were to go insolvent, that your money doesn't vanish in the night with their insolvency. Because that is a big risk in a case like this where you are in a non-equity position. You also, unless this facility just has so much that you just love, you can also look at many of the other competitive 55-plus communities where you don't have a non-equity buy-in. And just by buying property that you own in the community, you have the right to the community's facilities and amenities. And Tracy in Georgia says we need a new air conditioning unit. A company left a flyer at our house, and their program allows you to replace the unit and make monthly payments. I believe it's a leasing program. I don't want to do it, but my husband does. Tracy, doesn't your husband know you're always right? (laughs) Because let me tell you, in this circumstance, you are completely right. I have never seen one of these air conditioning leasing deals that I liked. This is one that is a pitch to people that are cash short and they're sweating because it's summer and there's no working air conditioning. Do not do this. Buy the air conditioning. Don't lease it. And in this case, again, who's right? You're right. And your husband should know that. And I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.